Praise the Lord. What a wonderful thing. The word of God to be born in human beings. That'll truly be a miracle. Because in reality, most of us ain't worth a flip. About our thing. Our old humanity stinks. It's rotten. This is my greeting to you this morning. Just face, face the truth, friends. Our flesh is worthless. It's the biggest enemy that you've got. Your thinking, your views, your opinion of yourself and opinion of everybody else and what you think this ought to be done and that ought to be done, when it comes right down to it, it's worthless. God didn't even ask us. That's how much he thinks of our opinion. How do y'all think I should do salvation? He never even asked me. Think about that. And he never asked you. He never even asked you, what, what do y'all think? How do you think I ought to do a church? You think I ought to make it where uh, people are filled with the Holy Ghost or they just join church? Or what do you think? How do you think I ought to run church? How do you think I, should I run it like a, um, a cold, uh, formal type of thing? Or how, how do y'all think I ought to do it? He just done it on his own. Yeah, and he wanted people to sing and shout and clap their hands. And wow, can you imagine? God wanted a church like that where people was alive. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> were even people done that? Clap your hands, all you people. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals and play music and sing and. Shout every now and then. Dance every now and then. We think dancing belongs in the bar room. Says who? The devil stole dancing from God. The devil stole music from God. Praise the Lord. Happiness, joy, intoxication, being addicted. The Bible talks about folks being addicted, but it ain't to coke and marijuana. It's addicted to the service of God. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. I think we ought to be as passionate and even more so as people out here in the world. People go to their ball games and they jump and scream and holler over a pigskin being kicked down the down the deal, you know, or, or somebody dribbling a basketball or a soccer or something or another. Uh, you notice musicians, go on YouTube and look at uh, some of the greatest celloists, violinists, pianists, and you watch them and they sit there. I showed Carol one on Friday and she said, if they saw you, they would think you was a nut. I said, yeah, but yet look at them. I mean, they sit there and they sweat and they fling their hair and they, go, they quiver their lips. And you see, those of you that aren't musicians, <clears throat> it's real easy for you to judge some of these brothers up here sometimes because they get a little bit louder than what some of you elevator music people like. But let me tell you something. No, 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 listen. Hey, I'm the one in charge of the music on this platform. Not Brother Louie. Not Michael, me. The music in this church 
is not orchestrated around you folks. It's around this ministry. So if you don't like the music, get rid of me. Well, I don't like it too loud and tell me. We have this person that complains about the organ or the drums and this one and this one sits right by them and says, didn't bother me at all. Tell me how I'm going to run that to suit you all. This person complains about the steel guitars too loud. Person sitting right by him says, didn't bother me at all. Tell me, what's the solution? I have the solution. I'm in charge of the complaint department. So if you got complaints, you come to me. And then we'll do a thorough investigation. Too much shouting, Brother Donnie. Don't like to shout and come to me. Too much clapping their hands. Come to me. We'll eliminate a bunch of these people who think they can run church the way they want. <clears throat> See, for me, friends, I realize some folks come to church. It's no more than a show. Some of y'all come once a week. You don't plan on coming Wednesdays. You don't plan on coming Saturdays. And yet you want us to regulate church according to you. I wonder if Donnie Reagan was as faithful as some as you folks are. I wonder what kind of church Happy Valley would be. If I put forth the effort that some of you put forth, what kind of church would we have on this hill? If everybody was as passionate about God, about singing, as clapping their hands and the music as you are, I wonder what kind of church we'd have. Praise the Lord. Every one of us should be passionate. If you get passionate about a football or a baseball or a basketball and you're not passionate about God, you're not born again. That's the bottom line. You're just not born again. And you better be able to acknowledge that before you're left behind. If money excites you more than God, politics excites you more than God, you better really get fired up, friends. Because the bride's fixing to leave this world. And the brides are the one that's really, really on fire with God. Not just so much emotion now. Not just jumping and hollering, because we know how that can be. Folks can jump and holler and live like a devil. But they love God so much from their hearts. He means everything. But some folks come to church, and if the temperature's just a little bit warm, I didn't get nothing out of service last night. Ten minutes in last night, I was soaking wet. Some of you had walked off the platform and quit. I got home, my vest was wet. My socks was wet. What do you think I should have done? Probably stopped and said, all right, I, I ain't handling this no more. I'm not comfortable preaching up here being this hot. Or would you all have rather me just go ahead and preach against the inconvenience and the hot temperature and oh. so now y'all are not going to ask me to do something that you don't do right so if it's a little bit warm you're going to go ahead and praise the Lord and if you don't like this or that or the other your favorite song leader didn't lead to singing that, that don't matter I'm here to worship God 
I'm here to sing. I'm here to clap my hands. I'm here to hear the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have church. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. We Americans are so spoiled, aren't we? We are so spoiled rotten. I'll tell you what. Well, how is everybody this morning? <clears throat> now that I've made most of you mad and... Here y'all come to thought you was having church today. Now we might as well just miss and go eat a hamburger, I guess. And... No, I think not. Let's just go ahead and have church. Y'all put forth the effort and I put forth the effort. And so let's just go ahead and, and have church. What do you say? Psalms 110, <clears throat> verse 1. Also, <clears throat> I'd like to make an announcement this morning that Brother Nathan and Sister Heidi Davis would like to announce the engagement of their son, Philip to Brother Charles and Sister Annie's daughter, Carrie. They will be planning a wedding later on in the, in the summer. Can we give them a nice hand? <laughs> I'd also like to make another a, uh, engagement announcement. The Almighty Elohim would like to make this announcement to you today. His son, the Logos is marrying his daughter. They will be Mr. and Miss Logos. His attribute, the Son of God, his theophany, is here gathering sons and daughters of God to unite them back to their theophanies. Don't you want to go? Let's read together, Psalms 110, verse 1. A Psalm of David, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion, rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Thou hast the dew of thy youth. Now here God is speaking to his son, the Logos. The Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I may like to be remembered today in prayer. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, Father. That we could be able to gather ourselves together here today. I believe, Lord, if we knew what lay in the balance and what lay before us. Lord, as Brother Terry and I was talking back in the office before service, we're not even sure what really one day the bride may be forced to stop preaching. To stop gathering together in a, an assembly like this. I wonder what value it would have to us then, Lord. I wonder if we'd be so picky about the heat or the air or somebody got my seat or somebody got my parking spot. If it ever comes to that spot, I wonder for those who constantly complain over this and that and the other, wonder what we would give to be able to go 
to church one more time. So I pray, Father, that you would help us that we would be able to realize the value of church. It's not it being centered around our particular tastes and our particular desires. Even the preacher that we may like to be our favorite or how long he goes or how many songs are sung. But Father, that we've come not to be entertained, but we've come to worship and sing and pray and adore and magnify you. Help us, Lord. You see the needs of your children today, and we bring these needs and desires and requests before you and ask you to speak to us. Anoint us, Father, I pray, that we can be able to receive from you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Master. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Sure glad to have Brother Amos, Sister Lisa with us today. I see you all again. Amen. So we're heading to our honeymoon. What kind of um, people are going to be there at this place? There will be categories of saints in glorified bodies. There will be people who will accept the messianic kingdom under the domain of the son of David. And there will be some who will simply be made to obey, not really because they want to. No doubt there will be some others who will comply and they will give, may I say, part of their allegiance to the son of David. But then at the end of the millennium, they will forego that allegiance. And when Satan is loosed out of his prison, they will be gathered together and they will side against the Lord Jesus and his saints. And they will in mass and come together against the children of God to try to slay you. Can you imagine anybody in their right mind coming against the Lord Jesus and against his saints in glorified bodies trying to kill them? It shows you how insane that people can actually become. But before we break into that part of it, to see the nature of, of the kingdom and to look at what's going to be upon the earth. Let us look and see that in there will be saints of God who finally moved into their perfected state. We are made a trinity, a permissive trinity now, but a perfect trinity later in the change. And in the millennium, it will be our seed, our soul, coupled together with the theophany, merged into the glorified body. No more human spirit, no more imagination, conscience, memory, all that sort of thing that we have now. We will be the perfect human being that God intended for us to be in the first place. That's right. Never sick, never tired, never weary. Oh my, what a, what a thing that'll be. But yet, we will actually get that before the millennium. Now, whenever God made man in the beginning, he was made a supernatural being 
before he was ever a natural being. And God made him like unto him his self, in that God, when he made himself a theophany, that he made man a theophany. Now, you never come through the theophany. If you had, you would have known that you pre-existed in a theophanic form. Thus, the theophany is there waiting for you. But the theophany is a body that would look like a man or a woman, yet not have digestive abilities, uh, not have human abilities in the sense of what we would know, but yet it would look similar to a human. As we looked at Abraham last night, God coming down to meet with him, and this theophany had to step inside of 16 elements of the earth in order to be able to eat the calf sandwich, the cornbread, the butter, drink the milk, and so on. But yet, those that were beyond the curtain of time, before the curtain of time was opened up in this way, before the blood of Jesus was shed, God knew that there would have to be a place by which man would go before the cross had made the full atonement. And that was that man went downward into what the Old Testament calls Sheol. Sheol was the grave, of course. And the way up into the presence of God, the sixth dimension had not been opened yet until the blood of the Lord Jesus had been shed. So when people died, actually their gene, their seed of God, the elect I'm talking about, went into their theophany, but their theophany was not allowed to go into the presence of God. But it was held in something that was referred to as paradise. This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's what the Lord Jesus told the thief. You remember reading that. But paradise was not up this way, it was down this way. Because the way had not been made in order for the heavens to be opened. Now, a few men were able, by the grace of God, to be able to go into the heavens on a supernatural manifestation to make a type, Enoch, of course, and Elijah. But yet, as far as the mass of humanity all of them were kept in paradise or in Sheol. And whenever the blood of the Lord Jesus was shed, then it allowed paradise to be opened up. And then the release of even the saints of God to come up out of paradise. So we want to read today of an instance where someone was able to call a theophany out of paradise prior to the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus. 1 Samuel 28, 10. And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, now remember, Saul is backslid. He's away from God. He's now the Urim, the Thummim. He has no prophets. He has no way to get an answer from God. So Saul seeks out a witch from Endor. Now remember, this was a real witch. This was a woman who had the ability to contact the realm of supernatural. She didn't work at a circus. She wasn't a palm reader sitting on the side of the road. But this was the genuine article. She impersonated a prophet. 
Now, a prophet has the ability to break into the supernatural realm. A real witch has the same ability. No doubt there's some today that would have the ability, of course, not to do quite like this because paradise is emptied out. So this is not an impersonator. Now, notice so Saul said, as the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? Now, she understands that Sheol, the place of the dead, is beneath whether it is in a realm that's invisible, of course, to the natural eye, whether her perception was it was actually paradise or not, we don't know. But she says, who do you want me to bring up? Notice her word, bring up. So Saul, he's in a very great strait, and he says, I need help. The woman said, whom shall I bring up to thee? And he said, bring me up. Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. Now, how did she know this? Saul disguised himself. But when she saw the prophet of God in his theophany, it gave away who Saul was. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw Elohim. This is the Hebrew word here. The English word is God's, but the Hebrew word is Elohim. I saw Elohim ascending out of the earth. Now she's broke into a supernatural realm. And actually she did not go into paradise, but she simply called for Samuel to come and Samuel's theophany comes out of paradise. Now once you notice her answer versus Saul's answer. I saw God's ascending out of the earth and he said unto her, what form is he, not they, of? So she said, I saw Elohim, God's, coming out of the earth but he said what form is he of and she said an old man now he's entered into his theophany but there aren't any old theophanies There are not any theophanies that are babies. There aren't any theophanies that are old people. They all appear to be about 18 or 20. So this is a form, a morphe, 
by which God allowed his prophet Samuel to be able to appear in a recognizable form of this amorphe, or Saul would have never known who he was. But actually Samuel was not now an old man. He was a young man. But he was a young man that must have the theophanic appearance of an old man in order for Saul to recognize. Boy, you all are looking at me funny now. An old man cometh up and he is covered with his mantle. So now here stands the prophet Samuel. And he looks, now remember he's been gone from the earth about two years. So whenever she calls him up out of paradise and he comes up and he appears and she sees him and he's standing there with his beard grown out and he's standing there with an earthly identity, an appearance of an old man and an appearance of a prophet's robe on his mantle and Saul perceived how did he perceive this he was an old man and he had a prophet's mantle if he had appeared as an 18 year old boy a 20 year old boy Saul would have never known who he was this morphe was needful in order to make the appearance Produce the cause and desired effect. I hope y'all don't think I'm nuts. Notice, and Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself, and Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed. For the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and answereth me no more. Oh my, neither by prophets, nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Now he's still a prophet. He still has the ability to prophesy. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. The devils can't do this no more. Notice then Samuel, wherefore dost thou dost ask me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee and has become thine enemy. And the Lord hath done to him as he spoke by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord. Now, just in case, sorry, you're going to blame me. No, I'm putting the blame back on yourself. It's your fault. That's right. Nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee under the hand. Notice, prophesy, Samuel. The Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow 
Thou shalt and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. You mean in a theophany in paradise, God allowed this man to prophesy the outcome of a battle before the first spear is ever thrown, the first sword is ever drawn. And he tells Saul, by tomorrow, this time, earthly time, you will be with me. So apparently, Saul had a theophany. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. Now watch with prophetic insight into this. Brother Renum and Melchizedek says the king got in trouble. That was before the blood of Jesus Christ was ever shed. He was in paradise. And a witch of Endor called for somebody to come and console Saul. And when the witch saw him standing up, she said, I see God raising up out of the earth. And after the man had been dead, buried, rotten in the grave, here he was standing in the cave with his prophet's robes on and was still a prophet. Amen. For he said, why did you call me out of my rest, seeing you become an enemy to God? Now, isn't it amazing that here he is in paradise, but he's still aware of what's going on on the earth. He knows the prophecy that he has made has been fulfilled to the letter and that God has given the kingdom to David. Watch him prophesy. He said, tomorrow night by this time you will be with me. He was still a prophet, though he had been gone from this body. See, he had become here and was part of that word. And he entered from the flesh life back into the body that had been prepared for him before the foundation of the world. Now notice those who have a theophany, which is the word. They come to this earth and they live in their age. And they are identified as the people of God who have the ability to hear the word, to respond to the word. And they become a part of the word of their day. And then when they leave this, they can do no more but go to that light from whence they came in the beginning. So those who reject the word and don't want the word and don't want to be a part of this word, when they leave this world, they do not have a word form body to go to. Brother Donnie, how in the world can I know one of the best signs you can know that you've got a theophany is your soul lines up to the current word. If you line up to the words, you got a word body you're going to. That's the only place fitting for you to live in. 
Now, if you want creed, dogma, tradition, this, that, the other, then, well, you'll wind up with a traditional body, which means you're going to be judged and wiped before the white throne. But if you line up to the word of God for your day, then when you leave this life, you can do no more than go to that word body, which God prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Now notice he said he entered from the flesh life. I love the way he terms that. From the flesh life back into that body that had been prepared for him. You mean Samuel's theophany was actually there before the foundation of the world. He entered into the theophany which was the word. You get it. That's where all believers go when we turn from here. Then in that form, the veil then is lifted. You see, you are the word also when you enter into there. Praise be to God. But he looked like an old man. St. John 20 verse 13. Here's some angels at a graveyard. The Lord Jesus has raised from the dead. A woman comes looking for him. And the messengers have a message to her. They say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Adonai. And I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now here Jesus now has emptied out paradise. His theophany has come Glory be to God. His theophany has come back to the body and stepped in the body. Lord children, I hope you understand what I'm saying. Don't you understand? The theophany could not just bring him back to life. He was a 30-year-old man that looked like 50. Jesus had aged under his ministry. Jesus had aged under the pressure of humanity, brother said. The theophany going inside of him did not just give life back to that body. Jesus experienced a body change. Glory be to God. So you imagine Mary, Martha, Peter, James, John. They probably never even saw him at 19. They never saw him at 20. By the time they saw him, he was already 30, 29, 30, 31. He had done, entered into his ministry. The stress of his ministry had already started aging him and maybe a few gray hairs here and there and there. So they had not seen him as an 18 or 20 year old man. So whenever she looks there at him, there's this young looking man. And she looks right at him and don't know who he is. Amen. 
Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener. I don't imagine he was sitting there on a Harley Davidson or should consider him to be a motorbike rider. I don't figure he's sitting there playing a guitar or a lute or a harp. She'd have considered him to be a musician. So apparently he had a medic or a shovel or standing there playing in the dirt. He loves doing that. So maybe he's standing over the mattock in his hand. He's kind of just grabbing around a little bit. And she looks up and she hears his voice. And the voice says, woman, why are you weeping? And she looks up at him and, oh, glory be to God. She, she thought he was a gardener. Amen. She saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. And I will take him away. Really? You're going to take him away. He weighs over 100 pounds. He has another 100 pounds of aloes, myrrhs, perfume. Can't you see how passionate a person becomes about Jesus? You see, that's why I said a while ago, some folks get this passion about money. They get this passion about football and baseball and basketball and this and that and the other. And they look at things that are totally impossible. They don't even care. I don't care if my team is zero and zero and zero. Oh, we're going to the NFL championship. Who knows? We might win. Yeah, you might not too. But here she looked at it. How is this little woman going to pack this dead body? Plus all these aloes and these verse, these myrrhs, that didn't matter. She said, if you could tell me where he is, I've got to have him. I've got to have him. You see, you can tell this woman had been with Jesus and he'd had profound effect on her life. Because she addresses this stranger as sir. She didn't put on her Sunday face. And then her Monday face was different. You ever get Jesus right? You can be nice 24-7. You can be cordial. You can be nice. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sir, if thou have borne him hence. Now he looks like a gardener. The man that helped bury people. The man who moved around stones. The man who done this and that and the other. So he takes on a morphe. To look like a gardener. <laughs> So why would you find it so hard to believe if he wanted them this day? He could take on another form and look like a short, bald-headed prophet. Or a young boy, or another young boy, or a woman, or another young woman, or an older woman. that He could get inside that body. Except they won't suppose you to be a gardener. They'll suppose you to be a nut if you believe this. Praise God. 
Call me a nut, because I believe it. Jesus says unto her. Now she's going to hear from Melchizedek. The Theophany is calling her name. Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Now the mattock didn't stumble her anymore. The shovel was no problem. Why? She recognized that voice. Praise the Lord. You see, the real saints of God, whether God uses their favorite preacher or their pastor or an evangelist or whoever it is, they're able to recognize the voice of God. Some folks, the only thing they know about the voice of God is their favorite preacher. Well, I'll tell you one thing. God uses him and he don't use nobody else. Nope, you're a liar. And you're also deceived. God has many men around the world that he's using. Come on, saints. And a real saint of God can be able to, that's the Lord speaking that. Oh, he's got human makeup. He's got failures. He's got weakness. Yes, I know all of that. But I hear the master speaking. Jesus says unto her, no doubt she comes right toward him. He says, no. You'll mess up the whole program. I've got to go before the Father. But I wanted just to speak to you before I went up. No human hands must touch the sacrifice, the body, before the theophanic appearance raises and projects the glorified body into the throne room of God. Once Father looks at it, not just the blood, the resurrected body. Present the wave shift. Don't you understand? He did that not only for himself. He did it for you. It's a sign that you will be raised also and you're going to be waved in the presence of God. Not just the blood, Harry. This is the order of Melchizedek. Not just blood. Touch me not. For I'm not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father. He's going to go ahead and testify Calvary is a success. (laughs) He went ahead and called them brothers and identified God as being their Father and they hadn't even received the Holy Ghost yet. Hadn't even been born again. I'm going to my father. He 
and your father to my God and your God. Mark chapter 16 verse 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. She went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept and they, when they had heard that he was alive, it had been seen of her. Yeah, real message, folks. Believe not. And after that, he appeared in another Morphe. Blessed be the Lord God. He appeared in another form. Look at the Greek word now, morphe. The form by which a person or thing strikes the vision, external appearance. Now the ones that he appears to is Luke 24, the two on their way to Emmaus. Now maybe these men knew him when he was younger. There was some reason he chose to reveal himself in another form. That was his theophany, but he took on an image so as to disguise himself. Praise be to God. So they walk with him, they talk with him, he preaches, he opens to them the scriptures, and they look right at him and don't know who he is because of the morphe that he has on. Then he acts like he's going to go on and they say the day is well spent. And why don't you just come in and into the inn and rest with us for a while. And, and you can go on your journey tomorrow. You know, being polite and courteous. So he goes in and they order a little something to eat, a little something to drink. And he takes the bread and he begins to break it. And when he breaks the bread, their eyes were open. And he vanished out of their sight. So maybe they thought he was a fellow traveler. So Jesus comes along with a suitcase in his hand. Where y'all going? Tel Aviv? Haifa? Where y'all going? Y'all look so sad. Y'all look so sad. You're a traveler? I'm a traveler. Glory be to God. I'm going to drive her. So are you a stranger here? Are you a stranger? He might have been dressed like a Syrian. He might have been dressed like an Iranian or a Babylonian. Because they looked at him and they looked right at him and didn't know who he was. Because, listen, of the habit or the costume that he put on. Can you imagine how close you will be at the morning of the resurrection? Your life will be so consecrated to God the morning of the resurrection when your 18-year-old mother appears in your room. Some of you may not even know what your mama looked like at 18. But you'll be so close to the rapture yourself when you turn around and look at her, you'll know that's mama. Judges 6, 11. God in the form of theophany 
appears to Gideon. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which is an orpha, that pertained unto Joash the Bezerite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared, Kapaleo, Kapalo, Kapalor, Kapal D, appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers have told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. You imagine from the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee and he said unto him oh my lord wherewith shall I save Israel behold my family is poor in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house that's the reason God's going to choose him because you don't say bless God let me go hey hey God you need somebody I'll do it I'm your man I'm your man I'm your man God God ain't going to use you and the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites. That's one man. Verse 20, And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and lay them upon this rock, and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand, and touched the flesh. This time he don't eat it. The way he did with Abraham. And there arose up a fire out of the rock. Would you not have matches like that? God don't even need wood to start a fire. God can make a rock burn if he wants to. That's my God. What can yours do? And there arose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight and Gideon perceived. It was an angel of the Lord. Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not. Thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. One of the compound redemptive names of God, which means Jehovah is peace. Watch, Brother Bram said, Gideon certainly was a scriptural man. The angel of the Lord said to him, If you notice, it wasn't the angel of the Lord there. And the capital L-O-R-D, it was not an angel. It was God. It was a theophany in a man, in the form of God. Like appeared to Abraham back in the wilderness and looked like a man. So to encourage a man to tell him he was going to be one used of God to bring deliverance to the people of God, an angel of God appears. 
olive skin, maybe we'll say, hair dark, about 200 pounds, stepped out of the light, bare feet, long white robe. The time of deliverance is at hand. But the greatest of these theophanic appearances of God was the Redeemer himself, the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the morphe of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The word form here refers to that outward expression which strikes where the natural eye can see it. It's the supernatural unseen which takes on a tangible image of atoms, molecules, light meters. And the human eye catches it. Notice Philippians 2.7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form, morphe, of a servant and made it in the likeness of man. First Timothy 6.14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto who no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Do you know who this is? I just described by scripture your father. You want to know who your daddy is? Read this. Who only has immortality dwelling in the light. Talking about Jesus now dwelling in the light. Which, ha- which no man can approach unto, which no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Angels are immortal. The glorified saints of God will be immortal, but we are not immortal of ourself. Angels are not immortal of their self. There's only one being that is immortal. Of himself. Your father. The light. Exodus 33 20. Moses wants to see God. And he said thou canst not see. My face. For there shall no man. See me. John 1 18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath phanereal declared, manifested, morphed him. 1 John 4.12 No man has seen God at any time. 
If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is projected in us. Numbers 12, 7. My servant, Moses, is not so. This is, of course, when his brother and sister spoken against him. God standing up for his prophet. My servant, Moses, is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. Even apparently and not in dark speeches and the similitude of the Lord. To no form, image, likeness, representation, semblance. Colossians 1, 4, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. Hebrews eleven twenty seven. by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So here he is, this great immortal light. But he has in his being these attributes. He loved fatherhood. But in order to be a father, he had to become a son. So out of this light comes this little flickering halo. And the father and the son were both expressed in the attribute in time at the same instant. You see, when he gives birth to this son, he is now truly father. Before that time, he was just the eternal. There was no one there but just him. So out of his being goes the Logos. And this is him giving birth to a son, which at the same moment gives him the expression of being father. Second Corinthians 4, 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them to the lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them. Which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Notice, Brother Renum, and the unveiling of God. Notice, Jehovah, the Old Testament, is Jesus of the New Testament. He is the same God, just changing his form. As I said last night, Jesus didn't come to the earth and he was a half a tank of God. Jesus wasn't a third of the Godhead or two-thirds of the Godhead. He was the Godhead. It was simply God changing his mask. Glory. To look like an itinerant, ignorant preacher from Galilee. And he hid himself so well that he coaxed the devil coaxed the devil out of hell into crucifying him. 
he wept like a man. He cried like a man. He had a headache like a man. And the devil said, if you're the son of God, do this and that and the other. It wasn't that they all the time knew who he was. They was questioning who he was. He knew that light. He knew that expression. But this was hid in the heart of God. Dumb devil. I said dumb devil. Someone said the other day about this ministry out in Tucson. How can you say that Jesus and God would be the same person? Y'all ready for this? It's heavy. It's so deep. Y'all ready? Tell me you're ready. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? It's simplicity will stumble you if you aren't careful. And I said, well, it's very easy if you just let your own thinking, which is the most difficult thing we have to struggle with when we hear the Word of God. Let your own thinking get away and think the Bible terms of it. They are the self-same being. God is a spirit. Jesus is the body that he was veiled in. Wow, that was deep. I'm telling you that's deep. You understand the theologians that have lived down through time that can't grasp that? If you can see that by revelation, you ought to be the happiest person in the world. I said, like in my home, to my wife, I'm her husband. I have a young daughter, Rebecca. I'm her father. I have a grandson. His name is Paul. I'm his grandfather. I'm a husband, father, grandfather. My wife has no claims on me as father or grandfather. She has claims on me alone as husband. My daughter has no claims on me as husband or grandfather. She is my child. Not three gods. Not even two. Can I go on a little bit? Notice this in the mighty God unveiled before us. Dr. Schofield here, we find that his word changing from form. We find this word amorphe in Greek, which means the unseen was made visible. Something that cannot, well, we know it's here, but it cannot be seen. I hope you all understand. Sometimes you sense the presence of God, but you don't feel it. And it's around you so strong, but it's like you don't feel it anywhere again. For some of you, it's so confusing, and you think your backside or something wrong with you. Don't you understand sensing His presence in one way and being able to recognize it is even greater than the tingling and the thing that you feel on your flesh? Yeah. 
Some people that rely on that, that's the only way they know God. What an ability to perceive he's here and you want him to move on you in feeling and yet he chooses not to but you still recognize I know you are here. When he changed his form of the amorphe which mean that he changed from supernatural to natural. He was not just an ordinary man. He was God. And Martha. He changed from supernatural to the natural form of a man, yet God manifested in the flesh. Look at this paragraph 205. God in his amorphe again unveiled himself and made himself known to his people. The great king who laid aside his glory. In a little while and the world won't see him no more. It'll be veiled to them. But you will see me, for I will be with you even in you all the way to the consummation. Changing from Luther to Wesley. Changing from Luther to Wesley. So in the dark ages. So that priest reading the book of Romans and it hit him. Let me out. The just shall live by faith. Martin Luther's favorite scripture in the Bible. It was God changing his mask and he looked like justification. <laughs> and they thought my this is it this is the restoration of the whole thing this is it and swingly all of them started fussing fighting arguing God said I'll be right back <laughs> then God moved on John Wesley John said let me out <laughs> didn't look like justification eyes was different length of the hair was different length of the dress was different no earrings, no tattoos, no makeup no pipe in the hand no beer Woo! this is Wesley's child it is a sanctified child what'd they do? organize God said, be right back. <laughs> and it shall come to pass in the last day, say of God, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Let me out of here, I gotta shout. <laughs> Woo, glory. And they said, Lord, have mercy. They're crazy. They're crazy. It was a Pentecostal child. But the doubt they didn't recognize it. Each one of them children was starting to look more like him. (laughs) 
sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. God said, I'll be right back. Oh, glory be to God. Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. And he will turn the hearts of the children back to the apostolic fathers. Hallelujah. So we're not Lutheran, we're not Methodist, we're not Pentecostal by denomination. We are children of the world. We got the second Adams way of acting. Glory to God. So the world looks at him and says, them poor women, look at them. They wear them long dresses, that long hair. I feel so sorry for them poor kids. I see some of them at Happy Valley and they got them long dresses. Poor things. You wish you could just help them like our children. Really? Like your drug selling children? Like your pothead smoking children? We don't want our kids to be raised like a bunch of hogs. I'm going to be changed. I mean, I'm going I'm to close. I tell you, friends, one of these days, if it gets any stronger, y'all going to see me flying right through that ceiling. I'm going to be out of here. A private rapture. Well, it may not be so private. Some of you may follow me out. Glory to God. Let's close. From Luther to Wesley. To on and on. From glory to glory. I'm still the same God that lived. And going back to the original glory. And then Brother Branham says, Hallelujah. You think I'm wild in a buck? You ought to listen to this tape. Mighty God unveiled before us. And you don't hear him say, Hey, 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 calm down now, calm down. He's feeding them. They're jumping and shouting. He's under the anointing going right with it. I know we got a bunch of dry hides around this message. They don't want no move of God. They don't want move of no move of the Holy Ghost. That ain't what I want. What about it, Happy Valley? Do we want a move of the Holy Ghost? Are we got a bunch of dried emotionalism? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Not fanaticism, real genuine glory. Let me read you two more quotes. Now that pillar of fire is the Logos. 
that went out of God. The Logos, which is actually the attribute of the fullness of God. If God wanted, he could have projected the attribute of the fullness of God in this bottle of Gatorade. But you see, we think fullness is big and large. No. It's an attribute of all he is. Condescended. And the word Brother Branham used, which is not even a word in the English language, is bottleized. Bottleized. Sounds pretty good to me. When God become into a form to where it could be seen. It was the anointing of the great spirit that went forth, condescending, coming down. God the Father, the Logos, that was up over Israel. He was holy, could not bear sin. There had to be a blood offering right in Eden. Then that Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Where this Logos dwelt in a human body, which was the sacrifice. The eternal could not die. But the Logos, the theophany of God, the Son of God, could live in a body called the Son of Man. The Son of God lived in the Son of Man. The Logos, the Melchizedek. Don't you understand what the Holy Ghost is to you? The Son of God living in a Son of Man. Daughters and sons of men. That's why it says it was Son of God through the church ages. Sit down, I ain't done yet. No, no, no. <laughs> when man was made in the image of God, then God came down in the image of man to redeem man. That brought man and God together. Heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other. The heavens is represented in the masculine form God. The earth is represented in the feminist form gender of a female. So heavens and earth hugged and kissed. They've been in a big argument for thousands of years. Don't you understand? Jesus was the mediator by which the husband and wife could be reconciled. So heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other. Where? In the Son of Man. So here it comes down at the river. Amen. Here it comes down at the river and he went, this is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased to dwell. Heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other. God and man embraced each other as fatherhood and sonship. When the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, I come from God. I go to God. Is that right? After his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, rather. When the body was taken up to set at the right hand of God. Now, I don't mean God's got a right hand. God's a spirit. But the right hand means power and authority of God. That it's a name, oh my. Everything in heaven is named after it and subject to it. Everything in earth is named after it and subject to it. A name above all names. Some of you blasphemers around this message want to say that name is William Branham. Shame on you. 
The new name of God is not William Marion Branham. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll close with this. Now this Logos that was in him, which was the Spirit of God, the anointing, through the sanctifying grace of the blood, brought many sons to God, which is anointed with this same Logos. And in 1965, he goes on to tell us that Logos has a bride. Well, it wouldn't be fitting for the Logos to marry a hog. Wouldn't be fitting for the Logos to marry a pulpit or a building. It only be fitting for Logos to marry Logos. Praise God. Praise God. Hope you see it. From Luther to Wesley to Pentecost. On to the message, friend. Don't stop at the messenger. Don't stop at the messenger. A lot of the message folks fell in love with Eliezer and wanted to marry Eliezer on the way back. Eliezer ain't looking for you to marry him. He's going to point you to Christ the Word. Isaac is waiting for you back in the tent. Praise God. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Now the true revelation of Melchizedek comes into view. He was the word before he was flesh. Praise God. Here we see the secret of our life, death, and our journey. We go to God. And predestination is in plain view. <laughs> Watch this as we teach it, he said. So who is this Melchizedek but God? Heavenly Father, help us today. Lord, as I opened up with my opening comments, our old flesh. It's our biggest enemy, Lord. Our weaknesses, our pretensions, our facades that we put on. God help us, I pray. Our old bodies can be so hypocritical. Husbands and wives can be in an argument and they pull up on the parking lot at church and both of them put on their sanctimonious look. Step out and shake one another's hands and act like everything is all right. <laughs> Help us to see how deceitful our humanity is. The very reason I say this, Lord, is to break away our confidence and our trust and our humanity. Help us to realize how detestable that it really is in your eyes. Our bodies do not need just to be going back to young men and young women. If you reverted me back to an 18-year-old Donnie Reagan and all you'd done was made me young and took me to heaven, I'd still have my human flaws, my imperfections, 
If you made Brother Amos a young 18-year-old Amos and Brother Terry a young 18-year-old Terry, before long we'd find us doing some of the similar things in the marriage supper that we do down here. But God, you're not just going to take us back and make us young. You're going to eliminate that spirit and put that theophany inside that body. And in a moment of time, you're going to rebirth us. All the Reagan traits, all the Horn traits, all the Smiths, the Yonts, every human trait as far as those things that are flawed, totally eradicated in a moment of time. Oh, hallelujah. The things that don't make us like one another, the things that make us complain and gripe about this and that. When it's so cold, Lord, we can't wait till it gets warm weather. And after it gets a little bit warm beyond our comfort zone, we say, I'm burning up. I can't wait till fall. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. Help us, Lord, to crucify that old thing. We love you, Jesus. It's evident you love us or you wouldn't put up with us. Lord, I need to be changed. I'm flawed, Father. I'm flawed deeply. My humanity is flawed. And since I've got the microphone, I'll go ahead and say it for the rest of these people. They're flawed too, Lord. Every one of us are flawed. Help us, God. Your prophet said it's one of the hardest things you ever done was to get one human being to believe another one. We find that so with preachers. People want to sit and sort, so they sort through whenever they figure that's God, this is Brother Donnie, that's God, this is Brother Bram, that's God. So they sort through the sermon, whichever part they think they agree with, and that was God, and whichever part they don't agree with, they figure it was me. Or Brother Branham, whoever it is. It's our humanity. We pull election through our preconceived ideas. The baptism of the Holy Ghost are our preconceived ideas. Help us, Lord. Help us, I pray. Change us, O oh God. Change us, O oh God. Praise the Lord Jesus. And he loves him today with all your heart. Can you be honest and say, I am flawed? Can you go even deeper and say, I am deeply flawed? Now, some of you didn't believe that, but at least I got you to say it. Friends, if we really believe that, a lot of our confrontation among one another would stop. You understand when we have confrontation? Because we want to use our opinion as the rule marker. We want to use our opinion and our view as a measure. I don't think the brothers ought to do that. I don't think the sisters ought to. I don't think so and so. But who are you? A grain of sand among billions of others. Oh, my. Wouldn't it be amazing when we walk down the streets of gold and there's millions of human beings. And there ain't a flaw nowhere. You just look around and say, I don't find nothing to complain about. Lord have mercy.
How many of y'all think the ideal temperature in heaven will be about the mid-70s? How many think it'd be closer to 80? Those of you in the time of life, minus 45. Can you imagine if he made it according to what we think? But I love the way Brother Ram says it in future home. He said, can you imagine a man who has the ability and he makes this, this beautiful place for his wife? And he said he makes it just exactly to her touch. He's making it to your touch, but not your touch now. Your touch when you're changed. Because if he made it according to your touch now, then when you got there, it had to be moving everything again. But that part about us would be changed. Can you imagine living for eternity with the same people? And nobody is tired of nobody. Nobody is bored, which is an amazing thing. Nobody is tired, nobody is weary, nobody is exhausted. Eternity. Praise God. Day before yesterday, they crucified my Lord, beat him unmercifully and nailed him to a tree. The sky grew dark and the earth began to fall people cried surely we've crucified the son of God let's sing it now oh why didn't we recognize the son of God was here today didn't our hearts burn as we talked along the way oh shouldn't we have known hallelujah thank you Jesus him before the Lord had come and gone listen to this verse now today a friend and I walked down the road oh we didn't know our Lord had a the suitcase and spoke words so wise he looked like a traveler glory oh he broke the bread and blessed it thank you Jesus vanished and opened a higher Son of God was here. 
you, Jesus. Let's sing it together, saints. Shouldn't we have known? Oh, shouldn't we have known? Wished we had known him before the Lord had come. church this morning so thankful for that word let's just sing this he is here let's sing that as you go this morning remember the service wednesday night everybody just be careful going home he 
is here. Listen closely, hear him call. 